and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that seeks out middle ground and sometimes does a really deep dive to get there. <laughs> my name is Annika Buckle. And my name is Jenny Omani. Uh, so this is a part two of one. So if you have not listened to part one, go back to last week's episode, listen to that, then come back here. Um, and what you can do as many times as you want um, in the meantime is pop over to your streaming source of preference and give us a five-star review share with your friends especially this topic because this is something that i know canadians have been quietly or not so quietly cursing about <laughs> since it came into effect <laughs> awesome so this is um part two the part where we actually talk about the bills <laughs> as a reminder uh today we're talking about two bills bill c11 and c18 as we kind of go through, I'm just going to review what we're going to talk about. So Bill C-11 is called the Online Streaming Act. It creates a framework to regulate digital forms, think Netflix, Spotify, and would require them to contribute to the creation and promotion of Canadian content. As we discussed in a lot of detail last week, other quote-unquote legacy media in Canada is subject to some pretty clear and some would say messy or intense requirements about exactly how much of their content has to be created by Canadians. However, laws typically take a long time to get into effect. <laughs> Digital content mm -hmm. platforms have grown exponentially quickly. Just to kind of give some numbers I found really fascinating, as of April 2023, three in four Canadians have at least one streaming service. Um, less than 10 years ago in 2014, that was only one in four. Up until now, streaming services haven't had the same requirements simply because they've just been harder to regulate. Hey, man, I remember when I first had Netflix and you could like go to this website to cheat to get Netflix from other countries. <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh, you know what what's mm -hmm. uh the world becomes whole again we're going to talk about that actually at the end here <laughs> it was awesome um, it. so we're going to talk about bill c11 um because 11 comes before 18 <laughs> and then we'll talk about bill c18 which is the online news act um second so the last update to the broadcast act that we spoke about last week um, other than an amendment in 1999, was 1991. So definitely before the digital age and absolutely a time when we had a family computer in my basement with no internet and a black and white screen. <laughs> or the World Wide Web, if you will, as it would have been called then. <laughs> totally. AOL. Um, all you have to do for millennials is just make the sound of that dial-up internet. <laughs> and then have someone like, pick up the phone and ruin it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so under Bill C-11, all platforms hosting content must make financial contributions to producing officially recognized Canadian content. There are a few exceptions and individual creators are one of them, according to some things you read. So, for example, hmm. the law allows the CRTC to legislate Spotify, but not our podcast and us specifically on Spotify. Hmm. If you remember friend and champion of people paying low cell phone rates, former head of the CRTC, Ian Scott, said in November last year, quote, the CRTC's objective is to ensure that Canadians are made aware of Canadian content and that they can find it. I wish to assure you in Canadians, 
all Canadians that the CRTC has no intention of regulating individual TikTokers, YouTubers, or digital content creators. He didn't. He Sounds good. He could have said podcasters, and he <laughs> did not. And he had the did language not. too. <laughs> if you can say TikToker, you can say podcaster. Podcaster, a hundred percent. Somebody tells so... me he's not dumb, and he's very calculated with his words. <laughs> Um, I mean, in theory, it sounds good, but the concern with this exception is there is also a provision that states, quote, the extent to which a program uploaded to an online undertaking that provides a social media service directly or indirectly generates revenue. And guess what? Everything on the internet makes money for someone. <laughs> somewhere. Well, totally. Yeah. So even if an individual say podcaster uh is not making money or even is making just a small amount of money guess what the platform is making a big amount of money (laughs) oh for sure but we all know that so you know what i mean like it's like they're making like right okay they're pretending something that isn't true is true right yeah like (laughs) yeah so let's talk in more detail about what we've seen with podcasts specifically, especially kind of over the last couple of months. Clearly, if you're listening to the, us, you listen to podcasts. So this is important. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now, there were literally years of revisions leading up to the passing of Bill C-11. It was first issued as Bill C-10 in 2019, um, but died in the Senate summer recess of 2021. Interestingly enough, because there were too many unanswered questions about how user-generated content would fit into these regulations. Mm-hmm. In 2022, um, Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez brought forward Bill C-11, and after some modifications in the Senate, of note not a final amendment that outright states user-generated content will always be exempt from regulation. It passed this summer. So let's talk about the details around podcasts for a minute. After the passing of the act by the government, the CRTC now has the job of sending directives and regulations. This includes registration requirements that the government has said from the start were to apply strictly to what they called, quote, web giants, end quote. So the Disney's and the Spotify's. Sure. Quote, only those services with $10 million or more in Canadian revenue are subject to the registration requirement. Unfortunately for us, the CRTC has specifically rejected requests to exclude podcasts. Quote, individuals that host podcasts on their own websites or make them available on any service platform are not explicitly excluded from the Broadcasting Act. I you lost me. So <laughs> my brain was like this ten million dollar ring. They, they write it out in such like a Imagine blah if you had way. To read the whole act. Oh, I wouldn't. But it's, <laughs> right. but it's like they intentionally. They're like, let's make this as dry as possible because then no one will be able to pay attention long enough to actually read it. To actually go through it. Right. Mm-hmm. So what basically what the CRTC has said is we will explicitly not exclude podcasters from mm-hmm. this and we will explicitly not exclude content creators from this, mm-hmm. even though then with the other hand, they say, oh, well, but it won't apply to creators. And this $10 million piece feels important, right? It seems mm-hmm. like probably that would exclude most small or honestly, even normal sized 
podcasters or mm-hmm. other internet creators. The trick is that this $10 million revenue floor applies to the platforms. That I was just going to say, it's this- like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This honestly is the part that has me the most concerned because we have already seen this play out with the Online News Act. Oh, yeah. They followed through. In yeah. a minute. Just wait. So they're going to create we're... some like super, super shitty, lowbrow Canadian podcast streaming service. And they'll be like, you just it's go weird. On it's we fun. have a government created, a federal, new federal government CRTC podcast platform. Mm-hmm. All right. So where we personally wouldn't have to register this podcast, the CRTC could force Apple podcasts to register, at which point they could say exactly what Meta and Alphabet already have. This is far too complex and restrictive for access to your teeny tiny stupid little Canadian market. It's just not worth it. We'd rather just not be in Canada. Yeah, because it's all it's at the end of the day, it's money in money out. If it doesn't make Mm -hmm. fiscal sense, then like. They're businesses. They exist to make money. Like, so if it's not, if it's too much work for the amount of money coming in, then you would just let it go. Right. 80 20 rule. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever is required of platforms will be required of their clients. This is going to impact their audience, regardless of what the government is crossing their fingers about or the regulators are, you know, posting on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Put it on the end user. Yeah, always. So I'm going to drop a quote here from Canadian law professor Michael Geist. Um, We talked about him a little bit last week. He created that fun little quiz. Hopefully you had Mm -hmm. a chance to go and take. Um, He's been a great resource. Not only is he the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, um, Mm -hmm. but he actually regularly appears before House of Commons committees, including the ones that looked at bills both C-11 and C-18. I'll link his website in the show notes. Actually, if you care about this topic, you will have a field day. (laughs) But for now, this is from his um, website from a couple of weeks ago um, regarding this registration piece that we were just talking about. So let's just, uh, the opening sentence is great. And let's just remember he's a (laughs) law professor. So like... (laughs) And Canada Research Chair, like he is, he um, <laughs> he, he read the bill, uh, all the boring bill, and, and like, understood it, and he he probably um, found it interesting to read. So he was he didn't miss any of the fine points. Okay, quote: This honestly makes no sense to me. Is the CRT saying that it is unable to access the state of podcast streaming thematic services or online news without a registry, <laughs> or that it can't find a con? find contact information without a registry does it not have internet access and the ability to conduct searches (laughs) i love him i know has it conducted no analysis over the past decade on any of these issues the crtc tries to have it both ways by downplaying the information required but then framing it framing that if information is essential to conduct regulatory analysis Bill C-11 was just never about web giants, and the latest CRTC decision confirms that an extensive regulatory framework is is in the works uh, that is likely to cover podcasts, adult sites, news sites, and a host of other online video and ad- uh, audio services. So I want to bring us to something that um, you just read at the very end of that that feels mm-hmm. especially comical in this. It feels very interesting to look at this through the lens of what it would mean for adult sites. How are you going to regulate OnlyFans? Oh, yeah. 
If you don't know um, about the details of this, OnlyFans is a subscription-based video hosting service used primarily for pornography. Although I recently learned it also has chefs, musicians, and fitness trainers. By research, not by going on OnlyFans. Um, Mm. Subscribers pay creators in monthly installments, one-time tips, or via pay-per-view, and then the company takes you know twenty percent of those fees. So Mm -hmm. what you're you're gonna have people on OnlyFans register so they can um, sponsor more Canadian content. I know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, are we going to argue like Canadian pornography is substantially different than anywhere else? I mean, sure, we can argue. Meet all the tick boxes with a director, (laughs) the screenwriter. What if there's two screenwriters for the very in depth (laughs) script work that is happening? And what if only one of them's Canadian? Well, I mean, does it count then, right? Right. So, I mean, it just kind of like reminds me of um, those videos. Some of those videos of like American Congress people reading out like explicit material. <laughs> it just gets like very pear shaped to me. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's move on to Bill C-18. We got no resolution on C-11 other than we we're just crossing our fingers that, um, you know, <laughs> just they continue pray. to let us. create content via uh no regulation um Mm. but let's move on to bill c18 because for a lot of people that is the most practically annoying immediately um this is like i actually would argue it was dangerous at at, Mm. during parts where there were like fast spreading wildfires Mm. you know and like people could not share the information they needed to because all of the websites that they tried to share were blocked. It's really interesting, actually, because that's exactly what happened in Australia. We're going to talk about what happened in Australia in a minute. Okay. Um, but uh, Google and, or, sorry, Alphabet and Meta's um, responses were that they were not blocking official information. They were strictly blocking the sharing of news sites. So mm-hmm. you could post something from the a government website BC government you just yeah. couldn't post it from ctv yeah government websites notoriously easy to find and up to date easy to navigate that's like <laughs> in bite-sized pieces yeah sure yeah my girlfriend um who was in uh west Kelowna during the fires mm-hmm. this year they mm-hmm. were evacuated and um she said the best way that she got information when they were evacuated was her neighborhood facebook group via people's like ring camera mm-hmm. like doorbell camera yeah. feed not via any other government no. website or even news website in no you know, and tweet in alphabet's defense <laughs> Tweets or whatever they're supposed to be called now. Like people like there, the we're just fire scanners. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like people yeah. listening to the radio, the police radios tweeting, yeah. as we will call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tweeting information. Like that's where people got their information. I think we can, we don't need to talk about how problematic and how much room for right. error there is right. in that. Yeah. So Bill C-18 is the dude where's my news bill. It was designed so digital companies must pay news organizations when someone gets a story through a link on one of their products. The purpose is to try to share revenues with both large legacy and smaller independent news outlets um, from these larger tech companies. At the surface, 
you know, we could say this makes a lot of sense if we look at how most people consume news these days, right? Where previously, like when Dan and I first started dating, even we used to have a subscription to a weekend, you know, paper newspaper. Oh, yeah. I really um, enjoyed the paper newspaper. To I, be know. I know. I know. Opening so your door satisfying. and getting your newspaper. Yeah. Okay. This is tactile. Um, Smell it. I mean, I'm somebody who still really appreciates like paper books. Like I am a. Oh, I can't read a... them on a Kindle. Sorry. I can't do it. Oh, I need it. I need a tactile a visual experience. Yeah. And I need a soft and cover. All. Yes. All kinds of reading is reading. So this is not shaming if you're. An oh, no, no. It's not shaming. But my personal preference is paper. I would probably still have a paper newspaper if it felt feasible. Yeah. But No, no, this um, is just our like sensory <laughs> issues coming out. This has nothing to do with judgment about how you consume information. No, this is just that like, I can't, I need a soft cover because I like to hold it a certain way. And I don't want to look at the screen because usually at the end of the day, my eyes are tired and I'm almost 40. So like, I just can't do that. But I also do love Audible. I like I do like listening to books, like if I'm driving and whatnot. So this is, yes, this is clearly not judgment. This is absolutely us putting our. And our own weird. Our weird. tactile needs. Yeah, this is. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a tangent, but it felt important. Very important. Um, <laughs> so in, as of April this year, 2023, only 11% of Canadians pay for any sort of news. And at least till B, they'll see 18 fast in June. Um, one in four Canadians were getting news primarily from social media. Mm -hmm. I am not going to try to pretend that this is an easy topic. I think at a time when independent news media and journalism is more important than ever, I also know it's a time when actually making money in our capitalist system is harder than ever. So I understand the desire to try to fix it and to find something in the middle. Um, but I don't know. I just think I was thinking you just about eliminated this it completely, though. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, this like... is an unintended consequence. But I mean, the other thing is, like, think about this pre-internet. Really foreseeable, though. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, How short Everybody warned them a million times. Oh, um, sorry. I and mean, we'll talk Go. about actually, Carry we'll on. talk about what happened there, especially in relation to Australia, because that's an example people use around this a lot. Um, mm. But like, let's think about kind of what news consumption looked like in this very one kind of specific way pre-internet. Um, right. A coffee shop pays for a newspaper. And then over the course of the day, people come through and read it and maybe sit down and discuss it. You know, does the coffee shop have to pay a licensing fee or a copyright fee? People come in and pay for coffee and maybe stay longer and buy more things because they're talking about the paper. The newspaper mm -hmm. doesn't get monetized beyond this kind of initial payout from the coffee shop. That's mm -hmm. essentially what we see with news on Facebook. Sometimes mm -hmm. people often, I would argue, don't even read the articles that they're commenting on. <laughs> no. And the other thing is, is that like you would have uh, paid ads in the print of the newspaper the same way you mm -hmm. would have paid ads on any type of like Instagram account or whatever, right? Like, so arguably their income opportunity from advertisements is higher than it ever has been. Right, right. Because when we look at reach, right? I mean, the yeah. other thing that is really interesting is that same coffee shop still today does have to pay SoCan and ReSound fees. Um, that's like songwriters, music publishers, performers. Oh, yeah, yeah. For the music, music that they play in the coffee yeah. shop, right? Yeah. So there is an argument that clearly is working somewhere. And they're paying for the Wi-Fi that they're sharing that people are using now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And people don't yeah, pay for the Wi-Fi when they... probably a in. lot. 
Yeah, <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think this kind of brings us to something we touched on in our episode with paid partnerships on Instagram, mm-hmm. and that's people increasingly expect very high quality content to be available 24 seven and always mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've done it too. Like I read my maximum number of free articles on the New York Times or the Washington Post. And then the second they ask me for money or put me behind a paywall, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, but that's fair. I don't know. I think in a society where we're asked to tip literally everywhere, <laughs> you know, and like we can argue, I'm not arguing about tipping or not tipping, but it's just like more and more places now yeah. have the tipping function. Um, they're not paying people more but they have the tipping function. Right. And then, right. You, you know, so you do see, I don't know. I, I agree. I think there's, it's like everywhere you go, someone wants you to charge, but places like Instagram have subscription channels. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of the independent people that I can see now because they're American, they're allowed to still be there. They have um like tiered. So they have subscription, they do their free content. They, or they have podcasts, they have other income streams, but they also recognize, and this is, I think really important that, um, accounts within social media, they are, they appreciate that most of their reach comes from the free content, right? Like they get the money Mm -hmm. for the paywalled stuff because of the amount of free content they do put out, Mm -hmm. right? Like that free content is important because if they didn't provide that, they would have no one in their paywalls. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And I think this is what makes this extra tricky is that you know, Alphabet and Meta have just pulled this completely, which honestly, I just can't understand. But for some reason, the government truly believed that they weren't going so to do stupid. that. Canadian so Heritage stupid. Minister Pablo Rodriguez thought that they could go up to Meta. And I actually had no idea Google was owned by anybody other than themselves. So or and Alphabet and be like, they're totally going to look at their like, they totally are going to appreciate everything and pay for all this shit the fact that they didn't think that those companies were going to be have any resistance to that they this is a tweet from february of this year i'm going to put it in the chat this is a tweet from canadian heritage minister pablo rodriguez who brought this bill forward this is what he tweeted in february oh god as soon as the word disappointing gets used it's like such a (laughs) shaming word Okay, Pablo, it's disappointing to hear that Google is trying to block access to news sites. Canadians won't be intimidated. No, they're angry. Sorry. Canadians won't be intimidated. At the end of the day, all we're asking the tech giants to do is compensate journalists when they use their work. I, you know what? I just have to pick apart his words here because I find this so incredibly intentionally dickish. I have notes on this too disappointing yeah. like i said that is a word that incites shame and essentially mm-hmm. a lack of accountability oh i'm really i'm sorry you feel that way right i'm like, has totally totally okay to hear that google is trying to block and also he's it's interesting he's calling it google because he knows it's alphabet do you know what i mean like right. the, i don't <laughs> yeah. know that but he does for so us he's, to say google but yeah, yeah he's he knows better and he's choosing <laughs> that for right uh, understanding is trying to block access to news sites they're not trying to block it. They're not dealing with the political, the, no. the logistical bullshit that you have said. They're like, you gave them 800 hoops to jump through with at a cost that I'd be very curious to hear what the projected cost for this would be. 
from Google or Alphabet standpoint, they gave you 800 hoops and they were like, we're not doing that. Like the math doesn't add up, right? They had their people sit down and decide whether it made sense to do this. And they clearly decided that it did not make sense. All of that, I bet you those numbers, by the way, could have been projected on the Canadian government side too, because that should be I'm sure. Easy I, to I'm, do. I'm certain that they did. I also that just want to highlight, he says Google is blocking access to news sites. They're actually not. You no, can still not. go to theglobeandmail.com. You just can't yeah. Google theglobeandmail.com. So it, let's be mindful about what we're saying here, Pablo. <laughs> Yeah, and he also says uh, this is the such a minimizing phrase. All we're asking, uh huh. All uh-huh. we're asking is the tech giants, right? It's just such garbage, intentional asshole verbiage. It's just yeah. It's when they brutal. use their work, Google isn't using the Globe and Mail's work. No, There's it's a search link, engine, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. search engine. <laughs> They're helping people yeah. find the work. Well, and, and of course, needless can't. to say, this is their argument in response, right? Um, let's talk for a minute about why only Alphabet and Meta are the targets of this right now. Um, you can still see news links posted on Twitter, although you might not want to, given what a hot mess it is over there. Um, and you could still use a search platform like Bing. I have read it does still exist. I cannot confirm or deny is that. Is Yahoo still a thing? Remember Yahoo? I apparently... Uh, the only thing that I use Yahoo for is my spam email account oh, yeah. when I need when to you give have to somebody give an email, email address? address that I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, your email address. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Here's Thank my you. Hotmail. Shout out. Shout out to my Yahoo doing the Lord's work since 2001. Um, <laughs> so in uh, the law quote, binding arbitration only applies to something that the government is calling, quote, digital news intermediaries. In order to be classified as a digital news intermediary, a platform must be in a position of significant bargaining imbalance between themselves and the news business. Um, The Section 6 of the bill identifies several factors to consider whether the imbalance exists, including the size of the platform, whether the market gives the platform a strategic advantage. Nobody's saying go bing that to find out the answer, right? (laughs) Um, And if the platform occupies a prominent market position. Hmm. So that as of what they have decided, that is strictly alphabet and meta right now Hmm. um which brings us to something else that i find really interesting about this the whole point of this bill was to have meta and alphabet specifically pay canadian news sources for their articles um but guess what the biggest media conglomerates already had those deals in place before this legislation (laughs) they actually they they had the kind of deals that we saw in australia when they passed similar legend legislation in 2021 they already had deals they already had deals where alphabet and meta were contributing back to these news organizations so they were already paying them so they were already paying the big ones the big ones yeah people that had not the smaller independent ones the people that could come up with lobbying power yeah 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 yep but still it's not i mean that's who we're really talking about anyways they don't care about the smaller it's all about tax revenue no they, right. they don't care about right. the small people with small tax revenue. They want the big tax dollars. No. 
Um, So let's sidebar for a minute and talk about Australia, because I think it's important to compare what happened there to what is happening here and why you can still get news in Australia where we can't get it here. So Mm -hmm. um, in 2021, the Australian government moved to pass the news bargaining code governing conduct between Australian news businesses and, quote, designated digital platforms. Sounds pretty familiar. (laughs) Mm-hmm. In response, Meta blocked all Australian news, just like we've seen happen here. But here's mm-hmm. where things were different. First, Meta banned news before the legislation had passed, which then gave the Australian government oh. cards to bargain with. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is smart. At which point- right. It's smart because they yes. had out they had public outrage before before mm-hmm. the legislation went into place prior to the legislation right so they added at which point then they added in a keyword that the canadian legislation is missing which is designate so now australia's treasurer can quote designate and thus force digital platforms like meta and alphabet to pay for news except then they haven't designated them Mm-hmm. But under the implied threat of designation, both companies went ahead and made separate deals with a series of media companies in Australia. Mm-hmm. All they needed was the threat of designation. They didn't actually designate them. They've gone yeah. and made these deals on their own. Yeah. The legislation has done what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. in Australia, but without having to pass it to the degree that we did here in Canada. And then <laughs> Alphabet and Meta were like, Oh, well, we don't need to do that with this stupid Canadian one because obviously they're going to look at, they're going to analyze Australia because Australia and Canada are like very similar. The demographics are the same. Like, yeah, they're obviously not going to be dumb enough to not look at everything over in the only precedent that exists. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so typical. It's so dumb. Yeah. Well, and I also think it's important to call out like, why they would resist legislation but be happy to make these deals on their own um Mm -hmm. like why we've gotten backed into a corner here in canada when australia has the results that in theory we were looking for yeah um but let's use meta as an example so if you're meta your concern would be if you agree to be legislated in canada then you would be pressured to be legislated in other places for sure. So of they, that's exactly this what isn't just a of. Canadian story. This is a global issue. You know, sure. other countries and places, even places in the U.S. actually are looking at what they can do for this. Yeah. Companies don't want to be in a situation where they set a precedent saying, yes, exactly. we abide this law, especially if they can negotiate on their own terms. A hundred percent. They're businesses. They want to stay in business. Like, duh. <laughs> no shit. Um, right. So, I mean, okay, what now? I hate leaving kind of a current event issue on like a depressing, like, oops, I guess we're fucked (laughs) note, but (laughs) I do have a few things. (laughs) Um, But I mean, honestly, I think the worst part about all of this is that short of repealing the bills, C11 and C18, they are now law. There is no other wiggle room. There's no other opportunity for negotiation. There's no additional language that can be shifted. Oh, they can't, hey? You can't, like, make an amendment? It's it's law, so unless you're going to pass another law that strikes out the previous law. um, The government is arguing there is still a little bit of wiggle room with Bill C-18 because it is not to be, quote, implemented until December 
20th or something of this year. So there are companies that are still working to try to take action that you could support. I will link them in the show notes. Organizations like Open Media are lobbying and need support via both, you know, letter writing action and donations. Um, you can always write to your MP, to the current Canadian Heritage Minister, Pascal Saint-Ange. I will link her contact info in the show All notes. What are they doing? It's so disappointing. <laughs> Um, but sadly, at least for Bill C-18, your best bet is to get a VPN, which is what I did earlier oh this God, week. Like the conspiracy theory people. Jesus. I know. But guess what? Why do they have to be I, right about some things? I got a <laughs> VPN and the very first thing I did was go on Instagram and guess what? All of my it news was back. Yep. <laughs> How much did you pay for a VPN? <clears throat> so if you don't know what cost? a VPN is... Um, a virtual private network is a connection to a secure server where your internet traffic goes through basically like an encrypted tunnel that nobody her emails. But her emails is this what we're talking about? uh, VPN servers also argue this is actually a much more secure and safe way to browse Mm -hmm. the internet, especially when Mm -hmm. you're doing things like online banking. Um, but it also means you can connect through another country. Um, like, for example, the U.S. and see all the news accounts you follow on Instagram. They can be fairly affordable considering I um, paid what is the equivalent of like just over $2 a month. Although I had to oh, pay that all good. up front. I'm locked in for the next two years. Not everyone has an extra $60 on hand in this economy. Mm. But um, for me, for the importance of being able oh, yeah. to see news or what we do here and also just for yeah. who I am as a person. I have a VPN for um, work. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That that's it. That sixty dollars felt like money well spent to me. Oh, absolutely. Spent more on so, coffee last month. <laughs> Unfortunately, letter writing and um paying extra money for an additional service seem to be your best bets at this point. Um, I do think it is important that these are conversations that we continue to have with our elected officials. Mm-hmm. There will eventually be an election. <laughs> yeah, but this um, is the type of bill that this is the type of thing that they don't get rid of. And then whatever party is in power is like, it's not that bill by the liberals. We and didn't it's like, do it. Right. You're like, we're just going to benefit from it. Right. Because we're right. going to use it to our advantage. And we're going to just point the finger and not do anything about it. Collect as much uh, tax revenue as we can with it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. There's a summary. Hopefully you have a bit of a better understanding now of Canadian content of Bills C-11 and C-18, and hopefully you can continue to listen to us on your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that we're going to have to have like a little off-screen chat about what the hell we're going to do about that. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Meeting the Middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.